love this for show. show. It's surely the most little-known rule in the game. You can actually play the ball to yourself. If you correctly play the ball, heal it back, you can turn around and pick it up. Still in the rule book. Written 1908, Brett. Still there. Who would know? Not many. If any, not many, if any. G'day everybody, yes, we're back. It's episode 176 of Not The Footy Show. I'm Warwick Nicholson and I'm joined, not from Camden, ladies and gentlemen, but he's gone to the, uh, I think it's the, I don't even know, is it the photographer's dream location, Burke? Rob Cox? Burke, New South Wales. I don't know if it's a dream location. It could be a nightmare location, actually. Um, no, Burke's all right, mate. I'm out here for a, a rugby league camp, but yeah, we're back. We're back, baby. Yeah, no, it's been a month, everybody. I do apologize. Uh, if I narrowed it down to a reason, I've been getting zero sleep on the weekends. Uh, I've got a new job or I've been at the job for a while, but basically it's uh, sport during the night. So it wasn't really letting me get to talk to this great man, Rob Cox, and, um, more importantly, actually edit the thing on Monday, Monday night. I just didn't have the energy. So that kind of commitment you can always, uh, you know, count on here at the footy show, don't you think? Mate, what kind of sport happens at night other than pingers in the cross? What, 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 um, what do you get up to in the middle of the night with sport? Tell me about that. Uh, Premier League, mate. Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. It's, uh, that's, um, that's an insomnia killer. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like this show. So we'll be back with episode 176 of Not The Footy Show. People want to know the stories behind the stories. Not The Footy Show. Show. James Maloney, buddy, we've got a whole bunch of things to talk about. Uh, it's been a month. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, many things have happened, but Jimmy Maloney, he did an interview with Andrew Webster in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald, and it's, it, it's how do you put it, Cocksmith? It's, it's made some people a little bit aggrieved with some comments from James Maloney. We've got the whole thing, and we will, we'll give you some context in just a second, but the core comment that he made is that the players are your most important commodity. Obviously, he's referring to the whole uh, Rugby League Players Association uh, standoff with the NRL. And then he followed it off with a comment that has not sat well with uh, some big dogs out there. And he said, everyone who works around the game are just accessories. Cocksmith, I used to work around the game and I was an accessory. You do work around the game. How do you feel about being called an accessory? No, oh, mate. Look, I, I would accept. I, I would probably accept that from some players, and, and if that's Jimmy's um, thoughts on it, well, you know, then then that's his thoughts on it. There's nothing I can do about it. But um, I, I guess um, after someone that shot um, probably in excess of two thousand NRL games over my time, I, I'd like to think myself as more than an accessory. But if that's his thoughts, well, then so be it. I, I, I couldn't give a rat's what Jimmy says, to be honest. Yeah, I think that the core element of this whole conversation, this whole issue is, on one hand, you've got the Rugby League Players Association, I think quite rightly, looking for a, a better slice of the pie. But they're also trying to play this whole card of, you know, um, we're undervalued, we're underappreciated and all the rest of it. And then you get a comment like this, which pretty much... It's just a bit of a slap into the face to all the people that help make this game work. Now, the players, no doubt, are the, the big-ticket item. They're the, the money-making machine, 100%. all the rest of it. But yep. they can't play in a comp if it's not organised. 
um, and it's not basically built from literally the ground up. And I don't mean that in terms of um, the NRL. I mean park rugby league. I mean junior rugby league. I mean all those areas. A player doesn't just appear on that stage. There's a lot of things yep. that go into into making rugby league. And I think that's the part of this comment that I think is misguided. Uh, by all means, um, you know, each player tries to earn what they can out of a career. But I just, I just really struggle with the fact that there is a whole lot of money that goes in from both, uh, not just the NRL, but uh, New South Wales Rugby League, Queensland Rugby League, all the state rugby leagues, which are ultimately, you know, sitting under the NRL banner. But a lot of money needs to get sent back into the game, not just the players. And I think that's the part of this that I think has got most people offside. But to be fair to James Maloney, and I actually think he's a, he's a good fella, um, I'm going to give you a bit more of a context into what he actually said in his interview. So we've started with the quote, which whatever else has been running with. Uh, I just want to give you a very quick rundown, uh, Cocksmith, of, of what he actually said in the Herald. Um, mm -hmm. And here we go. He goes, I'm at the end of my career and all these young boys will get the benefits of this action. Uh, but players do put too much on the line. The public misunderstand it because they see the big names making the stance, but it's not for them. Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston aren't doing it for themselves. I'm not doing it for me. We're doing it for the blokes who we play with every week, flogging their bodies for $150,000 a year. Five years ago, Dave Smith said we need, had no assets. We need to put away this war chest of $50 million a year, so we'll have $200 million in a back pocket. And then you hear we had to borrow $100 million. Then they ask the players to take less, and you wonder where the money's going. There's no accountability for the spending. The players are your most important commodity. Without them, there is no game. Everyone who works around it are just accessories. That's the full context of his comment. Does it affect you at all hearing his context as to that comment anymore now, Coxman? Look, look, I get what he's saying. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get what he's saying, but the difference is, is that, is that as, as the, the accessories in rugby league, people like myself and like you were, um, in, in James's eyes, as the accessories come and go, but so do the players. Yeah, I mean, players come and go as well. Uh, if if you know, if fifty percent of the NRL players left tomorrow, yeah, it'd leave a massive hole in in the game, but the game would still go on. Yeah, it may not go on to the same level as it's or the same, you know, like the same high grade or the same high level as it is today but it would still go on um i look these kind of conversations always make me feel a little bit uncomfortable because i do agree with him in a way but i also i guess in another way i'm i'm a little bit miffed by it because um quite often a player the, the playing group or, or the current playing group may think that they are bigger than the game and, it, and it's just not the case yeah um but you know, um, he's entitled to his opinion, as I am mine and you're yours. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just, you know, they're, they're all pushing for more money and that's great because we all want to improve ourselves and we all want to better ourselves. Um, but by merely, uh, what's the word for it, ostracising the whole group of accessories, as he has, I don't know if he's doing himself many favours. No, and I'd agree with that. The, the two elements of this particular quote, is that he makes a point to say that the public misunderstand it. And essentially now um, you could argue that he might then say he's been misunderstood with his comment around accessories. I want to move on to the next part of this uh, article, which is a question that Webster put to him around 
basically how the NRL's integrity unit operates. And there's a there's a story floating around, there's a, there's a theory floating around that the NRL integrity unit want access to players' bank accounts and phone records so it can stop match fixing and salary cap rorting. Here is James Maloney's response to that. It's an attack on our privacy. I understand you need to p- protect the purity of the game, but nobody has shown me that betting on games is a massive issue. How many have we got? One guy, Tim Simona, and he was doing $10 bets. The integrity unit didn't find that out. His missus dobbed him in. Instead of spending all this money on a witch hunt that pretty much has fa- hasn't found anything, don't worry about it. If something happens, I'm sure you'll find it without going through people's bank records. Instead of the witch hunt, put the money in bush footy. In terms of the salary cap, if someone pays it in cash, you'll never find it anyway. I just don't get it. They think they're running the FBI there instead of a game of football. This is the biggest story as far as I'm concerned. This this is in this is incredible. This quote from Maloney is like it's it's clubs club management one oh one for the last fifty years in rugby league. Oh, if no one finds out about it, we can just sweep it under the rug. It it it, it stuns me that this comment hasn't had anywhere near the same air players as the other one. What do you think? Oh look, I, I think I think I think more than anything, um, Jimmy's probably being flippant there. Um, I, I think it, you know, I think I think salary cap rorting. I, not, I'm not saying that it, it is being it is being done and that people are rorting the cap right at the moment, um, or um, there are any, there's anything untoward. But I think he's being a little flippant in saying that um, the only way that the NRL would find out is if some bloke's missus dobbed him in. Um, I think that they should be seen to be vigilant over the cap. I think they should be seen to be vigilant over any kind of cheating at all. Um, and if they're not, then I don't think they're doing their job. Yeah. Um, but I think, Jimmy, look, the, the first comment about accessories, I take exception to a little bit, not just for myself, mate. I mean, I, I've been in this game for 24 years. Yeah. Um, I'm probably towards the back end of my time in the game. Um, but everyone else that's in the game um, who is, in inverted commas, an accessory, I, I'm offended on their behalf yeah. a little bit. Um, the, 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 the other comment as far as, the, you know, I know that players don't like having their, their bank accounts. I know the big thing that, that I'm hearing anyway is that players don't like having their bank accounts or their phone seized because they, they have this perceived thing that the NRL leaks. Someone at the NRL yeah. who's going through their documents leaks. Um, and I don't know whether that's true or not, and, and maybe that's just um, paranoia. Maybe it is the truth. I have no idea. Um, but I'm actually more sympathetic, I guess, um, not sympathetic, but I'm more understanding of him not wanting his privacy gone through than I am about the accessories comment. That, that's my take on it anyway. It's funny. My my focus on that second comment is not so much about the privacy. It's about the element of, oh, People will find out if it happens. Like that's the bit that mm. I don't get. Um, we're just supposed mm. to trust the process. Is that what we're supposed to do? And the problem is, well, we've well, seen well, pretty clearly that the process—it's it, not adhered to. There is no, there is no adhesion as a general rule in regards to salary cap and other things that are, that are happening amongst players. I'm not saying that everybody has to be um, an angel and all the rest of it, but I'm sorry. There, there's an element here. I don't. I think we're past the point of just going. We'll trust you. Mm. I, I think, and, and going back to Tim Simona for a moment, I think the biggest thing about Tim, what wasn't the ten dollars bets. No. I think the, the bigger thing was the, uh, and I, I think 
well, I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but I would imagine that the big, the more embarrassing thing for Tim was the um, the, the, uh, the jersey sales. Um, for charity that didn't really happen. I think that might be more embarrassing for him than a $10 bet. Um, yeah. I know that the betting is not looked upon very fondly. I get it. I understand it. And I agree with it. But um, the, the, there was more to that issue than, you know, um, the $10 bets. You know, let's be honest for a moment. Yeah. Uh, final points on this. I know the people running the uh, integrity unit. I've got a high opinion of them. Uh, they've got a pretty hard job ahead of them. Uh, things aren't as easy as what we all like to believe they are, either in our own minds or in the uh, media's minds. Um, at the same time, I don't think they can necessarily cover off everything. It's not the biggest team in the world. But essentially, there's a point in here that I think then wraps this whole segment up, which is uh, Maloney quotes, quoting Maloney, he says, Instead of the witch hunt, let's put the money in bush football. And when you weigh that up against the first part of this segment, everybody, it does make you go. Girlfriend! Things that make you go. Things that make you go. Not the footy show. Okay, we're back. Episode 176 of Not the Footy Show. Uh, once again, apologies. It's been a month, but we are going to try to dig up some of the older news, Cocksmith. And that involves yep. two coaches that have been punted. One yep. from the Gold Coast Titans, Neil Henry. Mm-hmm. And the other... Laurie Daly from the New South Wales Blues. Let's start with the Titans. Uh, I think we all saw this coming. Uh, It's no surprise. You know my views on the Jared Hayne witch hunt, to borrow James Maloney's uh, wording from earlier in the show. I don't... Why don't don't you remind us your thoughts on that, mate? I think that there is a segment, a rather large segment of the media and now the rugby league fan base that has basically made a bit of a hobby out of bashing up Jared Hayne. I'm not saying that he is blameless. I'm not saying that he has never done anything wrong in his entire life, etc. But there is this amazing hobby out there that people seem to want to be a part of that is, no matter what he does, he is basically the worst person in the world. And I think this whole story around Neil Henry, yeah, he's probably a part of it. But also, there's another part of it, which is this team has been very average all year. They had a injury toll this year that was unbelievable, considering um, the players that they lost out of you know the, the decisions by management slash coaching staff with their yep. whole roster. Not just signing Jared Hayne last year, they signed a, a number of big name players in the off season, and as a result, they lost a lot of their depth. And then they got injuries. And funnily enough, when you get injuries, when you don't have a lot of depth, what happens, Boxman? Well, when you have injuries and no depth, you start to lose games because you've got to bring in younger guys or guys without as much talent as the guys you'd want. Yeah, and we haven't really heard that story. All we've heard is that Jared Hayne is the reason. He hasn't been that good this year. The part of it, though, that I will say that I think, and I've watched him pretty closely, I don't think it's been a case of a lack of desire. Um, Mm. I think he's actually played pretty well. He hasn't played great. He hasn't played to the standards that we all believe that he should be every week and everyone puts out the $1.2 million and where's the value and all the rest of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I I don't believe that um, Neil Henry was the only reason the Titans made the finals last year. And by the same token, I don't believe that Payne is the reason they missed the finals this year. I, I don't know what your viewpoint on this whole thing is, mate. Go for it. Uh, look, I, I'm a little bit on... on 
on the fence about it. Um, I think I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure that that it's Neil Henry's um, doing that that um, they have gone as well as they have gone. I mean, there's there's 17 blokes out there at any one time that are, that are doing the business. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that it, that Neil had nothing to do with it whatsoever. No. Oh, the, the only thing going against Jared Hayne in all of this is that he, he's become a little bit of a known, and I hate to use the term, but a coach killer. He's gone through a lot of coaches in his time, um, and and I. You know, I'm not blaming him for taking in the 1.2. If someone came to me tomorrow and said, hey, Coxie, we're, we're going to make your wages five, ten times more than what you're on now, yeah. um, and you've only got to do the same to get it. Are you cool with that? I'd, of course I'd be cool with it. So I'm not going to blame a man for doing the best he can for his family or for himself. But I don't know. I, I, I get the feeling that maybe Jared's not the easiest bloke in the world to coach. I, I get the feeling that... You know, he, he might be a little bit highly strung. But in saying that, there are other clubs with highly strung players yeah. that we all know of. Um, and, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, if a, if a club – Neil Henry still had a year to run on his contract, as did Jared Hayne. If a club needs to get rid of somebody a year short of their contract – are they going to get rid of the bloke on four hundred grand, or are they going to get rid of the bloke on one point two million? That's only an answer. That's only a question that the club can answer. But I'd suggest that a club like the Titans would probably get rid of the the go for the path of you know um, least resistance. So um, I'm not saying that Hayne would have gone if they were on the same money either. Mm. By the way, I'm just saying that it's kind of it is what it is. You know, yeah. um, I, I I don't know if we're ever going to see the best of Jared Hayne. I really don't. I, don't. I don't know if Jared Hayne has ever hit his peak. And, and to, um, to that point, sorry to jump in, but to that point, hmm. when he decided to go to the NFL, I'm sorry, everybody, but if you honestly believe he was ever going to come back to the NRL and be the same player he was when he left, you're on drugs. There's just no way. He had to change his whole body shape. He had to change the way he trained. He had to change a amazing amount of things about who he was as a player, as as physical, there's no way he can come back and be the player that he was. And I, I, that's the part of it that I think I struggle to compute when we hear about why Haynes this, Haynes that, and he's the reason for all these things. Mm. There is a – that decision that he made was incredibly gutsy from the point of view that people around him had to have been told him, look, Jared, if you decide to go and do this, there's mm. a chance you might not come back the same player in rugby league as it was. And he openly said it at the time. He goes – I've I've given up a lot of money to stick around and be the best, one of the best players in the game, and you can say that's a modest or whatever you want to call it. But the truth is that decision pretty much guaranteed we wouldn't see the best Jared Hayne in those ages of 27, 28, 29. If we see yeah. him bounce back next year, then fantastic. But that's the reality of choosing happen. to go I don't, to I, don't gonna, I don't think we're going to see better Jared Hayne than what we saw in two thousand nine. Um, you know, 2009, 10, 11, whatever. I, I, I and and I don't think. I, I mean, look. I, I think that I think that um, he may get better than what he was this year. Yeah. But I just don't know if he's ever going to be the player that he once was, or the player that he could have been. So expecting him to be any more than that is, um, you know, I mean, uh, there's been plenty of blokes that jumped to to, to Jared's defence. There's also been plenty of blokes that want to, you know, <clears throat> cut him off. Um, but. I just think it's it's something that happens in clubs, you know. Sometimes um, coaches fall out, sometimes players fall out. Um, I don't know which way it's gone 
or, or you know, in which in which kind of um, turn of events this has happened in, um, as far as who turned who fell out of favour first. Mm. But all I know is that Neil Henry's not there anymore, and Jared still is. And and good luck to the Titans. I, I you know, I, I want to see the Titans do well. Yeah, and their crowds this year weren't horrendous at times. Like that's the other part of it. There was a benefit to how they finished last year as well. Everyone mm. sort of forgets about that. Last couple of points from me on this. Uh, the other parts of the, the news stories you read about that paled in comparison to the Hain part is that there was a belief, and I'm not saying it's true, but there was a belief that other players were unhappy with Neil Henry, mm-hmm. be that as it may. But the a central question that Graham Annesley and the Brains Trust there at the Titans had to ask themselves is this, and it's to your point a little bit earlier, who do you keep? Well, if you enter 2018 and you think you're more of a chance of being a competitive side, are you more of a competitive side with Jared Hayne in that team or Neil Henry coaching that team? Well, I, I think I think with all things being equal and, and the little bits and pieces that I know, I think you'd have to say you're probably better off with Jared Hayne because you, if, if, you, if you cut Jared Hayne, you're still going to have to pay for him next year. Yeah. Um, so you're probably better off having him with you. Um, in saying all of that, mate, I just wonder whether the next coach, whoever it may be, I wonder if Jared Haynes is going to have the same latitude with the next coach. Um, if, if it's gone the way that – if it's if what happened with Neil Henry has gone the way that a lot of people believe it went, I wonder if the next coach, whoever it may be, we'll call him Johnny Smith for the moment. Yeah. If Johnny Smith is coaching next year and Jared tries – some kind of a, a manoeuvre on Johnny Smith, I wonder if who's going to be shown the door. Um, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I, I just wonder if the coach um, would be shown, shown the door again. I'd highly doubt it. I'd highly doubt it. I think that Jared may well be on his last, um, not so much last chance, uh, as, but I, I think he may well have the latitude that might have been shown I don't think the same. I don't think the same latitude is going to be shown again, um, as far as a coach, as far as a player deciding on the future of a coach. Fair point. Let's quickly move to Laurie Daly. Uh, he has been let go as New South Wales coach. Uh, he came on board. I think it was in 2013 for his first year. He won the series in 2014. He's then lost the next three. Bottom line, yep. Cocksmith, right decision. Mm. A, B, right way of going about it by just releasing a press release, not having him being able to step down, I guess, himself? Uh, okay. Look, I, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, but I'll, I'll answer your question. Yep. Is it the right decision? Yes, I think it is the right decision. I, I, and we can all sit back and go, yeah, but no coach would have been able to coach the team that they've had to beat the Thurston, Cronk and, and, and Smith and Lockyer's and, and those guys in that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much Lockie, but you know what I'm saying? That the... the, the future immortal team they've got um, with the cattle that we've had. Um, well, you know what? It, it's a it's a timing thing. You win one from five, and it's and as far as I'm concerned, yet yeah, you've had a little bit of success, but overall it's probably a failure. Um, I think I don't think that the um, what happened this year in camp helped Laurie any. No. I think if they had have won the series, no one would be talking about the drinking and the bar bills and all sorts Correct. of stuff. But <clears throat> look, um, many things could be, you know, you could argue the point on many things. There was, they did lose and 
there might have been a drinking, uh, maybe a slight excess of drinking and a slight excessive bar tap. So I guess you've got to, you've got to look at the facts given you. They lost a series, they've won one from five series, um, and all those other things then just compound the problem or compound the, the, the result and, and the negative result. So I think that um, uh, it was time for, it's time to change. Now they're talking about changing to to Freddie and maybe a Freddie, Joey, um, Gus Gould, Triumvirate. Is that the right way to go? I have no idea. I'll, I'll tell you in five years. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've got a distinct problem in New South Wales in a, in a few key positions. Um, and the only thing that's going to help that is time and development. Yep. Um, the one good thing about Gus is he, he does know how to develop players, but it's, it's not going to change overnight, mate. No, that's, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll quickly just jump into where you talked about, you know, performance. And if he'd won this year, part of me almost, just as a gut feel, felt like he might have walked away anyway. Probably would, yeah. I, 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 I think that would have been an amazing effort to have beaten that amazing Queensland team twice. In his, yep. his tenure, at the same yep. time, some of the decisions he made in selection, and then some of the game plan changes he made after game one, I I, I can't categorically sit here and go, I'll give him another chance, because I think we blew <laughs> we blew games two and, and arguably game three as well. I don't think like yeah, look, I, I don't know if Laurie blew blew game two. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say yeah, but at halftime they should have blah 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 and. You know, Laurie did say that he missed that point, but the players that are out there see what's happening. They don't need to be reminded that some bloke's playing with one arm, um, or they shouldn't need to be reminded that one bloke's playing with one arm. Now, I'm, I'm, and I'm not, and I'm also not saying that they should go off of the game plan. But you see a bloke hobbling around, the first thing you do is start aiming something yeah. at him, and they never did. That's not even they my. That's did. not even my main point. I'm going to go back to what I blew up about during the series. The use of Andrew Fafita. Mm. We used him so well in game one and then for some reason decided that wasn't going to work in games two and three. Little things yeah. like that, to me, it just just let's get, get someone new in. I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's Brad Fittler. I, I definitely won't be Andrew Johns, I don't believe, from what he said. Uh, mm. Gus apparently doesn't want to take on that responsibility and go away from Penrith and, and building them towards another premiership. It's a big question mark. I don't want to answer it now. What I will finish on in regards to Daly, uh, Ricky Stewart came out in the press conference after the Canberra game and basically said he wasn't happy in how Laurie Daly was treated. Yep. We don't know the inner workings of, of how that decision was made. The point I will make, and you touched on it earlier around the bar bill, there was an article in our good old friend The Telegraphs again and it was bar, like drinking culture impacts decision of why Daly sacked, etc. And the first one, the first paragraph talks about how a drinking culture and, and blah, 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 blah is the reason that Daly has been sacked. And then in the second paragraph, it pretty much says an excessive bar tab of cocktails and wine, etc. Uh, was racked up over the course of the uh, three camps. And then there was a line yep. in that next paragraph that said uh, this article or this, this, this uh, column categorically denies that any players were involved in, you know, there's no, there's no suggestion that the players are involved in this drinking culture. Mm-hmm. Did you read that line, Cocksmith? Because it clearly wasn't evident in the first, in the headline or the paragraphs, etc. It was, oh, I was just, once again, we'll do anything for a headline and I'm not saying that the players didn't drink. I'm not saying that the coaching staff didn't drink. I'm not saying that the administration staff didn't drink excessively or whatever. 
But what bugs me about that is, it's like, we'll throw whoever we want under the bus, but we'll just hide in a little bit of comments, oh, the players aren't to blame. And then what came out today? Another thing about Ferguson and Dugan in the second game and their um, hotel room. It's like, seriously, just... I'm sick of things being twisted just for the sake of, of selling a story. And, and that ultimately, to me, comes down to how he was then released. Yeah, it was a press conference. He might have not wanted to do a press conference. I get that. I don't know. Just yep. part of me goes, uh, to, to Stuart's point, uh, you know, he was, he yells, he is a legend of, of Origin Rugby League. Yeah. It does seem a bit harsh the way that it sort of had all come down. I would have preferred, if I'm Laurie Daly, to be perfectly honest, to have been told I wasn't going to be around back in the start of August or the end of July, uh, not after a long, lengthy board meeting and then ultimately just get released by a press release. I don't know. I, I didn't like it, but I think it's the right decision. You think it's so the, right, the right decision? Yeah. Look, I, 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 I'm with you a little bit as far as the, the way they go about things. I mean, it, it, let's be honest, it is window dressing. If you're going to fire someone, you fire them. But, yeah. uh, but at the same time, I would have thought that Laurie deserved a little bit more uh, to, be, to go out with a little bit more dignity. Um, you know, um, yeah, well, look, I, I agree with that. But um, I, I also think that the a lot of the investigations that were done, or, or, or sorry, the, 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 the reviews that were done, were done um, at board level um, without the CEO. Yeah. Um, and um, from what I understand, a few hours before the uh, decision was made public, they did say to Laurie, uh, they told him what was going to happen. And um, apparently he decided not to do a press conference or anything like that. I know that, that that's probably, you know, it just sounds like I'm making excuses. No, no, I'm not, no, no. I'm just this saying. Is why we chat, from what I, this is why we chat. Yeah, just from, from what I've heard. But... Um, Look, good luck to Laurie, whatever he does in the future. I, I hope he doesn't, you know, I don't think he's going to be lost um, to the game. I, I think he, he's probably going to hang around in some capacity, whether it be at Fox again or whether it be as a, an NRL coach or an assistant coach or something. Um, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of Laurie Daly. Indeed. Uh, look, everybody, we will wrap up uh, the coaching segment here. We'll talk about round 26 and um, uh, the bus timetable after breaking up the pre show. Bus driver dance us home. Driving, driving, passenger on. Ooh. Driving, driving, passenger on. You miss Discipline's important to our footy team and on game day especially. And didn't arrive on time after we spoke about what's needed only recently. So um, yeah. well, we've got standards within our playing group. And you know, if you're not living up to expectations, then these are the because that we make. And we haven't fully supported the decision. And... <laughs> Um, for the growth of the club and you know, these, like I said you've got to live up to standards with professional athletes and you've got to do the right thing so you know, we'll move on from that now Okay Cocksmith it is time to talk about the last round of the season round 26 this weekend but mm. uh, first of all I have to ask you how did you get to Burke uh, today? Uh, well it was a bit of a, a planes, trains and automobiles without the trains we um uh, flew out of Sydney into Dubbo and then jumped in a car and um, and uh, drove from Dubbo to Burke today. I was hoping you were going to put a bus joke in there, given we're about to talk about Josh Dugan and missing a bus. But, you know, well, yeah. well, well persist. Uh, Josh Dugan <laughs> doesn't get the bus to, to Penrith. Uh, 
there's a player's senior leadership decision not to play him against the Panthers. Yep. Uh, it comes out in the in the in the press conference afterwards and a few other things that this is perhaps not the first time this year that Dugan has missed something like this in regards yeah. to discipline. Uh, they won the game. Fantastic yeah. effort for the for the Dragons to win the game. But there's a there's a core issue here, and it, it comes back to what I've been blabbering on about since this podcast pretty much started. Mm. Do you have you ever had the impression, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I don't really see a pattern uh, with Josh Dugan of putting the team first. Am I wrong with that, mate? If you if you've noticed if you've noticed a pattern of that, then I would suggest that you you're probably right. Um, I I haven't really delved into to um, Dugan's behaviour. Um, that deeply because it doesn't really interest me all that much. But um, look, I, I I suggest that um, if if it happens once, well then you know slap on the wrist. If it happens twice, um, as far as missing buses or not putting the team first, then he needs to be put on notice. Whether his name is Josh Dugan or John Smith, the previous coach that we spoke about, yeah. it's around, it's around <laughs> um, that you know what I'm saying. It, it, yeah. it should. I know your bugbear is is. One of your bugbears that I know of, anyway, is that um, the more talent you've got, the more chances you get. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really, I really don't subscribe to. I believe what you're saying, and I and I understand it, and I, I I've noticed it as well. But it, it, you know, if I was a coach or if I was a, a senior uh, playing member of a team, it, that's not something that I'd put up with um, just because you're talented. I don't think you should be given more chances, and I think that the Dragons are at the end of their tether. I mean, obviously, it doesn't help that he signed with with Cronulla next year, um, and he'll be their problem after um, <laughs> probably after next week, um, <laughs> because I'm not sure that the Dragons are going to make the eight. Um, and if they do, well, then good luck to them. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's not a good look, is it? Missing the team bus. I mean. You know, he, he's a club that's I don't know what they're paying him, but let's call it half a mil or so no, per year. That. He'd be on he'd be on seven or eight, I would imagine. Yeah, he, he's a club who's probably putting ten to fifteen grand a week in your bank account. Um, yeah. You know, I'd make them a priority. Um, it's your employer. It's the person that, or the group of people that that give you the lifestyle that you've got. Um, uh, and you're not showing up for the team bus. It's not a good look. It's really not a good look, mate, at all. And 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 I and I understand why Mary would have probably just said, "Don't bother, Josh." And and that, that on the back of what the playing group, the senior members of the playing group said, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's not good. I go back to that infamous photo of him and Blake Ferguson on the roof. <laughs> now, yeah. If that wasn't a clear indication of, of what you're dealing with here when you decide to sign him, I'm sorry, I have no sympathy whatsoever for the Dragons and the hierarchy and the management. I feel sorry for that those senior players. And that's why I believe that the, the most important point out of this whole story is that the players made this decision. Yep. They put it forward that he shouldn't play. Yep. Now, it's, it's funny because we keep hearing, you know, if we go back to even our conversation five minutes ago around the Neil Henry, Jared Hayne thing, you know, when it comes to leadership, quite often the player leadership element is so important. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent for a coach. Oh, mate, look, I, I was speaking to a fellow here today 
um, who who has played football at the very very highest level, and um, his his big thing is is senior player, you know, the the the, the senior playing group. Um, that's if you can get a, a look at Melbourne. Yeah. Look at Melbourne, for example. The senior playing group at Melbourne run the show. Now, now they do what what Belliac tells them to do because they respect the coach and what the coach has done. Um, but the easiest way for a coach to get a, a playing group offside is to go against their wishes. Um, uh, you know, and and I would have thought that that Mary is smart enough to to know and to understand that if if the senior playing group said, look, we don't think Dugan should play, we don't want him to play, and then Mary throws him in, I, I suggest all of a sudden Mary's got more of a problem than what he had, which is Dugan not missing the bus. Um, yeah. So, you know, Mary was a, Mary was a senior player at, at Illawarra and at the Dragons for a long time, yeah. and he would understand that. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think every good club or every successful club um, – and I believe it more so after speaking to this gentleman today that I was speaking to. Um, it, 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 you know, that what you need is you need a strong senior playing group. Yeah. You know, um, and you need them to to make or to to at least um, not not to make all of the tough decisions because that's the head coach's job, but to to voice their opinion on tough decisions. Yeah. You know? so, be, be prepared um, to, to to offer that um, option to the coach, which is what basically happened with Dugan. Uh, let's yeah, move on absolutely. to what happens with the top eight. Uh, there are now nine teams running for eight spots. We know that the majority of them are already in. Uh, my yeah. Raiders will not make the eight. They could, and they can't. Well, they could. They could still technically finish above the Dragons. Uh, to our point, uh, the differential aspect is still there. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. Not hungry anymore, are you? Um, so who, who are the Dragons playing next week? So the, here's the deal. Here's what here's what we have, people. I'll quickly just um, sum up the situation. The Sharks guaranteed a top eight spot, but uh, they're currently in fifth spot. They're they're at Newcastle this weekend. Uh, they're on thirty two points. The Panthers are thirty points. They are at Brookvale against Manly. Uh, the Cowboys are on thirty points. They are at home to the Broncos on Thursday night. Uh, Manly, as I said, are hosting the Panthers. They're on thirty points as well. And the Dragons are on twenty eight points. They are versus the Bulldogs at ANZ Stadium. Though this is a Dragons home game. Here's the permutations. All right, if the Dragons. The Dragons play last of all the teams, so they will know what they have to do if they actually can do anything by the time they take the field. If we go up to the top, I'm just going to quickly go through these things, and you've got it in front of you as well, Scott Smith, I believe. But the Sharks, mm-hmm. they should finish fifth. Um, we, we agree that they will beat the Knights and finish in fifth spot. I would think that they would, mate. Um, in saying that, the Knights have knocked off a couple of big wigs this year. But I think with all that to play for, I think the Sharks will win. Yeah, and look, they can finish fourth. They'd have to have Paramount to lose to the Bunnies, which I would doubt is going to happen. Uh, that means that Sharks will get a home final. Uh, they could drop to sixth if Penrith win and they lose, however. Now, Penrith, here's where it gets interesting because there are four teams going into three spots. Now, Penrith are currently sixth, but they could actually miss the eight, Cogsmith. Um, yep. It's amazing given that they'd won seven in a row until the weekend, but... They win, they finish in sixth spot for sure. They could finish as high as fifth if the Sharks actually lost because they have a better differential. Um, they could drop to uh, seventh. They could miss the, the uh, top eight entirely, but they've got it in their control. They beat Manly. They get a home final. The Cowboys are probably in the most dire of situations uh, because 
They could lose against the Broncos and still make the eight, but their differential is such that if they got beaten significantly by the Broncos, they could miss out entirely if uh, the Dragons won, uh, and even if Manly lost as well, would you believe? That's just the way that the differentials work. Manly, if they want to play finals, they have to beat uh, the Panthers. Otherwise, they have yep. to rely basically on the Dragons getting beaten by the Bulldogs because the key part in all this, dis- this discussion is that the Dragons have a differential of about plus 60, 50 to 60 better than uh, Manly, uh, the Cowboys, and even better than the Panthers. So the good yep. news, Coxsmith, is that if, if results go your way across the weekend... All you'll have to do is beat the Bulldogs and you will be not only playing in September, well, the second week of September, you'll also be getting your dinner paid for by myself. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm actually planning on getting the dinner paid for. Um, I, I believe that, I think that the Saints, I think Saints will beat the Bulldogs. Um, and I, I think, I think that, I think the Cowboys are going to go out backwards. I think they're going to get smoked by the Broncos. Um, and so, tell me what happens if the what? T- tell me what happens if Manly lose and the Cowboys lose. Okay, the good. Actually, I just realised something. It'll inform that answer. The Dragons basically, regardless of the result between the Panthers and Manly, the Dragons yeah. can still make it if they win. I'll yeah. just work this out. It's it's called preparation, kids. Basically, uh, the Cowboys are the team, as you say, in, in the most threat because they're only a plus 34. And, yeah. and essentially what that means is uh, with the Dragons at plus some ridiculous amount, uh, the Dragons are plus 89. So the Cowboys are, sorry, yeah, plus 34. Essentially, they could just jump straight ahead of them. Uh, yeah. The Cowboys could still make the eight um, if Manly lose and the Dragons lose. Then they'll, they'll yeah. hold on. But they are the team that will basically have the most nerves across the weekend if they lose their game against the Broncos. That's the that's the big one. But you look at it more, and if if you believe the Dragons beat the Bulldogs, they would basically, and I'm, I'm looking at this now, I'm working it out of my head, they will jump over uh, potentially, they could effectively knock out the loser of Manly Panthers if the Cowboys won. Or if the Cowboys lose, then the Cowboys would miss out. I don't know if I've okay, made so, that no, so, no so, sense at all. Yeah, so yeah. if the Cowboys lose and the Dragons win, the Cowboys would the get dragon, yeah. The Dragons could end up in seventh spot. Yeah. Oh, but the Dragons, if if results go as I think they would on the weekend. So quickly running through, guys. I know we've, we've done circles already, but if the Broncos yeah. beat the Cowboys, Para beat the, uh, South, the Roosters beat Titans, uh, the Panthers beat Manly, uh, the Storm beat Canberra, the Sharks beat Knights, Dragons beat Bulldogs, and... Tigers beat Warriors, the Dragons would finish in seventh spot. That means Manly would miss out. If uh, Manly beat the Panthers, uh, then the Cowboys would miss out. <laughs> it's what we've got basically, you know, as we've just confused you for the last five minutes, everyone, is that we've got a pretty humdinger of a last round. And, and when we last spoke a month ago, uh, the, the, the comp had sort of evolved to a point where it was going to get interesting. We weren't sure how interesting, but, but basically... Every team that loses who are in the eight this weekend uh, in those those teams from um, six to eight are going to be absolutely cheering on those Bulldogs come Sunday because if the Bulldogs win, then every other team above them, regardless they win, lose or whatever, is nice and safe. Yeah, you're going to play. Fi- I honestly reckon you're going to play finals, Fox Smith. You're going to be there. 
You think so? Oh, look, I'm not entirely sure the Dragons. I think I've said this to you probably eight times via text. I don't think the Dragons really overly deserve to be there. Um, but I do deserve a ribs and rubs meal. Um, <laughs> I've lost about six and a half kilos Ooh, in the last eight weeks nice. in, in preparation for this. Oh, it wasn't some sort of E. coli breakout or something? No, no, no. No, look, it's not about getting fit. It's about <laughs> making you spend as much as I can. Oh, happy to. And happy um, to. and let me tell you, I'm hungry. I'm hungry now. So imagine what I'll be like in a couple of weeks. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, out of all this, so, everyone, what we have is a likely week one uh, in uh, the second week of September. Uh, Storm versus Eels, that'll be played at Amy Park. Uh, the Roosters versus Broncos, that we played at Allianz. Now... The makeup of those next two games, which are the two elimination games, offer up an interesting proposition, Cocksmith. The NRL has a chance. Now, in the, in the way that they do their scheduling, they always play one of the, um, the, the two uh, top four games in, in amongst the first three matches. So that means that you've got to play... Uh, Storm and Eels have to play either Friday or Saturday, and Roosters Broncos have to play Friday or Saturday. They can't play on Sunday. Yeah. But if the way that... that top four pans out, you could end up with a situation where the Sharks are playing the Cowboys or Manly and the Panthers, uh, sorry, the Sharks are playing the Cowboys, Manly or the Dragons and Panthers are playing Cowboys, Manly or the Dragons. You could have the Panthers playing the Cowboys, for example. Now, that's not going to draw a crowd of above 15,000 to ANZ. Would you agree with that? I'd agree with that, Cowboys. Yep. So there is an opportunity that if the, if the Cowboys then qualify... Oh, I know where you're going with this. You've got the Sharks versus Manly or the Sharks versus Dragons, and then you've got the Panthers and Cowboys. Now, the mm. Sharks won't be happy about it, but doubleheader at ANZ on Saturday night. Thoughts? Doubleheader. It yeah, just it, it makes more... Like, to, to, you basically could get... Sharks versus Dragons SFS could get 40,000. It could. But yeah. you'd probably get that anyway at ANZ, and then you throw in the Panthers and Cowboys crowd on top of that as well. I, I would I would argue you could get fifty to sixty. Mm. Is that a better result for the game having a pretty full ANZ than a full SFS and a sparse ANZ potentially even on the Sunday afternoon? Like Panthers Cowboys Sunday afternoon. Mm. You know you know what I think is a better proposition, and I know it's not gonna happen. But here's my better proposition. Sharks at Shark Park, Panthers at Penrith Stadium. I mean <laughs> yeah, well that doesn't know. happen anymore, Coxman. I know it doesn't happen, but it should, Warwick. <laughs> I know. It, sh I know. it should. First week should be home grounds, not home city, home grounds. Because let's just say the first we, – we, we've spoken about this before. But first first week, if if the Cowboys or, or Melbourne – do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's their home ground. So, you know, I shot three games this last weekend just gone. All were at suburban grounds and they were all fantastic. Yeah, I know. Loved it. Makes a difference, anyway. doesn't it? Okay, I'm if you sorry. had to flip a coin, though, Friday night football, first week of the finals, would you go Storm versus Eels in Melbourne or Roosters Broncos at the football stadium? I'd play, I'd play the biggest one, which would be Storm Eels. Ooh, interesting. Because if you did that, I think, if you hmm. did that, you could then possibly play that double header. Um, yeah, I think uh, the double header is a great idea. I'm with you. Yeah, it's just a tough like one it. to see where it ends up. And then that that said, you know. Yeah, the Cowboys could win, and we could all just be completely um, stuffed, and they have, have to go up to. Oh, mate, we didn't yeah. get. We did it last year. Everybody, it's the greatest road trip of all time. Uh, mm. Sydney to Townsville, Townsville to Sydney, Sydney to Canberra, 
Canberra to Sydney. It was it was the greatest 24 hours of my life or whatever it was. Yeah. We'll be back after the break uh, with the last segment. Your feedback on Not The Footy Show. Not The Footy Show. Wait a minute. I think I understand this. Jay Peterman is real. His biography is not. Now you, Kramer, are real. Talk to me. But your life is Peterman's. Now the bus tour, which is real, takes you to places that while they are real, they are not real in the sense that they did not really happen to the real Peterman, which is you. Understand? Okay, let's bring this episode home, Cocksmith. It is time for some feedback uh, from the fans. I'll press play on the music now. Rugby League Trivia, you didn't get a chance to join us a couple of weeks back, but a big shout-out to Brad Glenn, Dave, and Mr. DC for a great evening. Uh, Aaron Wallace, one of the Fox Sports statisticians, uh, put it together. It was at the Shakespeare Hotel in Surrey Hills. It was a great night. It proved once and for all that there are bigger nerds out there than me. It was unbelievable some of the levels of Rugby League knowledge of, of any era, let alone the 80s and 90s that it was done. Mate, there are some freaks out there. How they knew some of this stuff, I will never know. I, I was bat, I was battling there to, to get any answers. Uh, I think I was actually making myself look like more of a nerd to those fellas that I was with because they look at me sometimes with some of the names I was throwing out, just going, "Who are you?" and you know, "What did you do with your childhood?" But we ended up midway. Uh, we got about fifty percent of the questions right. But I think if you'd been there, Cocksmith, you, you would have added some value because you actually would remember that era of the 80s and 90s. Uh, the other guys... Yeah, yeah the, the 80s and 90s are probably my favourite footy era. But, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not great with names, so, you know, maybe I would maybe I'll just fail dismally. No, you would have been fantastic. But big shout-out to those fellas. Uh, good night. Uh, as I said, we just got crushed. Uh, but they are thinking about possibly... Aaron's thinking possibly about doing one in Grand Final Week uh, based on Grand Finals, uh, and that could be interesting. So if you are interested... Um, just check out yeah. uh, uh, Wally uh, SCR, I believe it is, on um, Twitter. I'll double check that on the edit and fix it if I'm wrong. There's something you want to make a shout out for, mate. The Legends of League game. Uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah look, there's a Legends of League game. I was got, um, I was told about this afternoon, which is really interesting. It's all, it's all retired. Um, retired league NRL players and they're having a tournament up at Gosford at Mutung Stadium on November the 18th, 18th. Yep. yeah 18th of November and and there'll be there'll be many many NRL players there I think there's going to be eight to ten teams playing on a reduced field um, I think it's a nine aside tournament nine 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 minute halves nine nine uh, players per team on the field at any one time um, and mate, it should be good because it's full contact, and I hear Cliffy Lyons is going to make a comeback. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, but but you know, a lot of these players are still very fit as well. You know, you got late thirties to early forty-year-old yep. players, and um, mate, I'm going to get up there, um, not to shoot it, but to have a look at it. And um, I think uh, I think it should be really good. And um, I could, you know, like a lot of these players played grand finals in the nineties and, and whatnot. Um, a couple in the late 80s, and um, I think it'll, it'd be great. So, Blue Tongue Stadium, November 18th. Yeah, I believe it's there to support the Mark Hughes Foundation initiative, uh, Beans for Brain Cancer, so great cause as well. Uh, time for your questions on another footy show. I've once again had to go to the WhatsApp group because people just don't ask me questions on social media. Um, rock solid. Niall asks, mm. when, why did the Bulldogs take a year off, Coxsmith? 
What's that? Sorry, sorry say again. What was it? <laughs> Niall asks, why did the Bulldogs take a year off? This year? This year. Why'd they miss the finals? Or why'd they the take the year off? Why didn't they why didn't they put in like the doggies normally do, I guess is his well, question. I, I spoke to with someone about this today. I don't think their halves were offering all that much. I don't think the, their creativity was was great. Um, and look, every team is every team um, has a bad year every now and then. You can't. It's so hard to stay out of this competition. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a fairly even competition. I, I'm not going to say it's extremely even um, because there are some clubs out there that aren't spending their cap, um, and there are other clubs out there that have third party agreements that. that Others don't, um, but at the same time, if you look, if you look at their team, you know they were, they were very strong in the forwards, um, as far as personnel goes. But they didn't have a whole lot to offer in in uh, in the backs this year. I would have thought, um, especially in halves and around the spine. Um, uh, they'll be better next year, mate. Don't worry about that. The dogs, the dogs are. You know, they're, they're a successful club, and they are for a reason, and that's because um, it's tradition. And, and yep. I can't see them missing out two times um, in a row or two, twice in a row, um, missing the eight. Um, they'll be there next year. You can almost, I reckon you could safely put money on it that they'll make the eight next year. Oh, I know boy. that's a big call, but I, I think that... I'll tell you what, Niall, I, if uh, the Bulldogs don't make the eight next year, Cogsmith will take you to dinner. Uh, he also asked if um, Melbourne will rest their stars against the Raiders uh, this weekend. I don't, no th- I don't think they will. I think they got the perfect tune-up last weekend against South. You want to play your best football close into September. And I know that the scoreline suggested it was one. They were awesome, Melbourne. They were dead-set awesome. Now, yeah. what Craig Bellamy will want is he'll want a tougher game this weekend, but he won't want to rest their players because when you're playing at that level, you want to keep it going. You don't want to be searching for form at this time of year is my biggest point around that. Glenn asks, uh, who will the Cocksmith, that's what he called you, the Cocksmith, support in the finals once the Dragons are no longer a mathematical chance? Now, we just established that they are a really good mathematical chance. Uh, if they got knocked out or if they didn't make it, who would you be going for this year, mate? Penrith. I like Penrith. I mean, my, my, my three favourite clubs are uh, Saints, Penrith and the Tigers. Um, so, yeah, I like... Not, not that I think Penrith will go much further than the Dragons would, but... I guess they're my next favourite team, mate. Um, I like Penrith. Yeah, I guess I only live 30 minutes away from Penrith. That might be something to do with it. A lot of my family um, went for Penrith when I was a, a young kid, along with Parramatta, um, which I won't admit to, but I just did. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't mind Penrith, mate. And, I, and as you know, we've discussed this before. I think Phil Gould is the smartest football brain yep. there is in footy at the moment, and uh, and I like what he's what they're doing out there like a few of the players so yeah Penrith okay uh, we have a follow up to that uh, which is if the Dragons were to lose uh, Rumor asks how does a grown man stem the flow of his own tears <laughs> oh mate I, I, I think I think you've covered this with me Warwick probably off air but I couldn't give a rat's <laughs> I don't care Forget about Saints for a second. It's a it's a very good question. It's it's one of those life questions you've often been after on this show, mm. Cogsmith. How do you yeah. stop yourself from crying? How how do what do you have to think of to, to get past those those times where you know there's times I've walked mm. into your house and you just found you crying in the corner. Mm. How how do you pull yourself out of that? 
Well, I guess I think of the, the, the 11 straight premierships that Saints have won. <laughs> um, and I think of probably the Raiders coming in at about 10th this year. It makes me laugh. Makes yeah. me actually happy. No, it doesn't. I, I like the Raiders too, actually. There's certain personnel there. Well, I what's like, most but... interesting about this comment from you then is that uh, from the start of the year, you pretty much hated everybody. And now yeah. you're liking everybody. It's it's, it's an amazing no, evolution of, no, of Coxsmith. That, you know that's not true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There, there are certain members, uh, certain you know, uh, bits and pieces of clubs that I, I dislike. Um, but mate, I, I'm I'm a lover of rugby league. I love rugby league, and and I, you know I like a good game. I like it when Saints win. Um, I like it when other certain teams lose. But um, mate, there'll be no tears from me whether they win, lose, or draw. I don't care. Nice. So as long as as long as it's good for the major, you know, for, for the sport. Can I say that with a straight face? Rugby league's the winner. I would fine you if you said that about cricket and you were in my cricket team. Speaking of cricket, Cricket. uh, Cricket. whenever you say cricket is the winner, you just get bashed in in, in teams. Um, Let's just never say that. Uh, Troy, speaking of cricket, he asks, who should bat at number six this summer for the Aussies? Maxwell or Agar? Uh, Laura Daly. Yeah, I I agree. Neither of those two. Um, Quite frankly, um, I don't know. That Mitch Marsh kid's got a lot of ability, apparently. Um, but yeah, we're getting smashed in the cricket right now. Thanks for that, Troy. Uh, nice variety question. Uh, if you're on iTunes, people, or Apple Podcasts, whatever, give us some love on uh, the uh, ratings. That'd be great. Uh, given we're actually back on air finally after a month off. Uh, Facebook.com slash general podcast. If you want to give us anything at all, don't even give us a rating. You can just say hi. That's fine. I'm at NRL Tweet on Twitter. Where are you, Cogsmith? Uh, on Twitter, um, R-O-B-B-C-O-X or at R-O-B-B-C-O-X. Um, and same on Instagram, mate. Indeed. We're just going to wrap this up with a very quick look at those amazing awards, Cogsmith. So if you just like to go a pillow and just not off to sleep for the next five minutes, feel free. Uh, the Golden Irvine, which is top try scorer. We have a very interesting race, and, and I think you want to talk about this one. Uh, Alex Johnson looked like he had it wrapped up. Uh, as he went to score his 22nd and final try of the year last round, he did his hamstring and um, ended up on 22. But he had a huge lead over Vinavalu and Rapana and all these kind of guys. Then Siliasi goes and scores a hat-trick. Rapana goes and scores a hat-trick. Josh Adokar goes and scores a hat-trick. And Semi Rodrigo scores four tries. Now, Semi's too far away. He's on 17. But it's conceivable going into the last round that not only can Siliasi Vinavalu, I love saying that name, uh, finish above 22 tries, but Rapana's got 20, Adokar's got 19. Who ends up with a top try scorer award this year, Cosman? Vunavalu. Vunavalu also tried the year, as far as I'm concerned, um, against St. George earlier on this year. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I reckon if you had to put money on it, if someone held a gun to my head and said, who's going to get it? I'd say Vunavalu. Yeah. Uh, so he'll take out the Golden Irvine. Now, the Golden Beaver, which I think is your favourite one, which is the uh, overall top try scorer from forwards, I think Cohen Hess has got this wrapped up. He's been on 12 tries for a while now. But interesting, I looked at the who's finishing second in this award. Joel Thompson, Paul Vaughan, and Jake Trebojevic have all got eight tries for the year. Uh, pretty impressive effort, particularly from Trebojevic, I reckon, because he's not really known as a try scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, so who's leading? Who'd you say he's leading? <laughs> Cohen Hess. So he'll get it. He's, yeah, four, he's four clear, um, so he won't get caught. Now, the Golden Birds, which is the top try scorer in a single game, uh, Rodriger came so close again on uh, Friday, Thursday night. He's going to end yep. up the year with two uh, uh, grabs of four tries each. Uh, Uate had one earlier in the year, but Alex Johnson for his five probably ends up with it. 
Now, here's Super an interesting true. one that shocks me. I don't know how much you love the Golden Brown. This is my favourite award, which is the mm. top point score in a single game. On the weekend, we had two players draw level for the overall league for the whole season. Jared Croker and Cameron Smith both had, both had 22 points this round. They joined Nathan Cleary and Gareth Widdop with 22 each. So we could have a four-way tie for the Golden Brown. Mm, so how are you going to split them? That's a really good question. Probably by, would you say tries in the game would be the way you'd split that? Uh, yeah, look, we, we, we don't obviously don't have the... Um the resources to make four trophies for that one. So, uh, look, I say we just give it to Nathan Cleary. Mind you, it's called the Golden Brown, so resources shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Uh, the Golden Daryl, top point scorer. Nathan Cleary has wrapped this one up. He has a 24-point uh, lead on Jared Croker, who hasn't played the whole year, and he'll finish in second. Uh, so, mm. Cleary's got 212, Croker 188, and Wood 183. And the Golden Masri, look, it's coming down to the wire. Cleary's on 89% for the year. Reynolds is on 88. Yep. Uh, so if Reynolds yep. plays this weekend, he could... I think he was perfect and clearly missed a couple. He could take the overall uh, award. But there's the awards. We <laughs> promised to talk them up through the whole season. We didn't. Uh, Coxmith fell asleep every time we did the segment. So thanks for that, sir. Mm. Uh, any last words as we get out of episode 176? Um, look, I, it, your, your awards thing has me a little bit interested. Um, oh! I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a brown beaver. I've been Warwick Nicholson. Rob Cox. And uh, it's been a reason, clearly, why we haven't spoken for a month, because the amount of tripe that we dished up this evening uh, could... I basically Actually, we haven't asked you the question. What did you have for dinner, Cox Smith? But on your travels, we'd like to get a bit of a rundown of what you've eaten. Uh, tonight, but I, I had the rump steak up at the uh, the local um, watering hole. Fantastic meal, actually. Really good. Um, I think the boys that I was with, well, I was with um, had uh, the cream cutlets. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow morning I, I may eat a poached egg or so, but oh. we'll see. We'll see. That segment was almost exciting night. as the uh, stats a, one. Uh, it's anyway. a freezing night here, by the way, in, in Berg. I've got the electric blanket on. It's freezing. Have you been doing the whole show from in bed? No, no, I'm not, I'm not in bed. I'm on top of the bed, but I can feel the warmth radiating up. So, uh, sure that, <laughs> you're sure that's the electric blanket? Anyway, um... <laughs> It's been a pleasure, Cocksmith. We will talk to you again, everybody. Uh, please jump on, say good day to us, let us know you're listening. It's been a month, so there must be uh, a bit of love out there at some point for us. Uh, thanks yep. for your company, Cocksmith, and we will speak again, I assume, around the finals. Love your work, mate. Okay, coming up on the right, if you glance up, you'll just make out my bedroom window. It's the one that's covered in chicken wire. Pepsi.